Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 100th episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty. And yeah, 100 episodes in, I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest for my 100th episode is a very, very special one, Michelle Arvizu. If you don't know who Michelle is, she is a acting coach and an actor as well, but she is an acting coach at LB Acting Studio. She is very special to me. She is so near and dear to my heart because she was my very first acting coach when I got, I guess, restarted into this entertainment industry acting career during the thick of the pandemic. I'm going to try and not get emotional because she has gotten the best work out of me. She digs real deep down into the core of the emotions safely, I might add. And she has pulled stuff out of me that I never thought would be possible in my creative craft as an actor. We have an incredible conversation about her life as an actor, her career, her incredible theory and perspective as an acting coach. Please enjoy the incredible, the life-changing for me, Michelle Arvizu. did Far Cry 6, right? Yes. Yes, I did. Oh, yeah. gosh. I remember seeing a picture of you in the cool mocap suit. Yes. Uh, after months, well, once it was launched, we could we could share uh, again because of the Bible NDA. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a phenomenal experience. And there may or may not be something else with them in the works. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So okay. tell me your story. How did you get into acting? And then how did you get into coaching? I got into acting. I think the answer is nobody could take me out of acting. And they sure tried. Um, I started, uh, as many of us have, just being uh, the little entertainer at home. And uh, and I would subject every other guest to shows that I would put on on any barbecue day whenever my parents had people over. And uh, it's interesting, though, because I, I grew up in a family that is very science-oriented, very legit jobs-oriented. And so my mom was a diplomat, um, and she came from a family where there is a psychiatrist and an architect urbanist. And, you know, her mom was a school principal. And so it was, I was just cute. I was just doing cute things. And so whenever anyone asked her uh, or, or, or suggested that she, w- she should put me into singing classes or dancing classes or acting classes, she'd be like, oh, no, she does that already. And at the same time that I started um, expressing that way, I also started drawing quite well for my age. And so the assumption is like, oh, she's going to be an architect like her uncle. And so I went to architecture school. I went to university. Yeah. Until, oh, and at the same time, uh, I was part of three theater companies 
one touring, one local, and one professional. And we're talking about Mervish level productions, even the ones that were for the university, because it's a school that is modeled after the MIT. And in order to have any rights to participate either in sports or the arts, you had to maintain an 85% of your marks. So I have never been busier in my life. Uh, people say, oh, no, wait until you have a kid. And I'm like, no, I, no. That's where I was the busiest ever. And so between touring and field trips and maquettes and presentations and performances every weekend and all that stuff, I probably started wasting away because I was not eating properly or sleeping enough or, you know, um, it was terrible. And so my mom sat me down and she said, something's got to give. And I was like, well, you know what the answer is going to be. She said, well, yeah, I guess I'm ready to hear it. And so I kept, I stayed enrolled at the university just to finish my commitments with those two theater companies. And then I didn't finish. I, I stopped in my fourth year. No, my third year. So a year before graduating. I wouldn't have. One of the things that encouraged her also to support that switch was the fact that my professors went to see me on stage and they were like, you will never be this good of an architect. So you might as well do what you're really good at. So, so even though it was like a backhanded compliment, I was like, okay, good. I felt seen. And so it, it was more, it was more how I was not, um, I, I wasn't stopped from doing it. Uh, and then I had to leave that country. I was in Mexico back then because a producer said to me that if I didn't put implants in, I wouldn't have a career. <gasps> yep. And I said, okay, watch me. Yeah. And that's when I moved here, 23 years ago. Yeah. I know. Crazy, right? Oh, my God. I know. Can you imagine? I mean, aside from all the other things that happened, or that used to happen a lot more before the Me Too movement and stuff, that was that was also one thing that it was said. I was, it was said to me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I left you speechless. <laughs> That aside, I I started being speechless when you told the lovely story about these people from your program seeing your seeing you acting and saying you'll never be as good as an architect yeah. as you are. I'll never be as good as an architect as you are as an actor. Uh, I had uh, yeah in high school I had a phenomenal director who actually passed away uh, fairly recently and uh, and we did. Um, a huge, huge final show. Uh, it was the house of uh, Bernarda Alba by uh, Garcia Lorca. And uh, and I played the old maid. Uh, and this is high school, so the makeup was super heavy and it was uh, it was it was quite a role. And uh, and at the end of the year, you know, all the hugs and the compliments and the and the, <laughs> the recognition and accolades and all that stuff. And then uh, and he went to each one of us to uh, congratulate us and, and to and to tell us how much it meant for him to work with us and and when he got to me he got very serious and he said I am so sorry um and I and he was giving me condolences actually he said a lot of people are gonna keep this as a beautiful memory of their growing up uh, but you, I see, I know, and I see that you will not be able to not do it. And I'm really sorry because it's going to be a very tough life. Mm. Which again, super sad, but at the same time, it was just 
one of the most beautiful things. I actually have a letter that he wrote me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So I wasn't stopped. <laughs> was there? I'm trying to think of the right wording because, again, you were saying it's kind of these interesting ways to encourage someone with the backhanded compliment kind of, you know, I'm sorry, this is going to be rough, but you need to do this. Mm-hmm. What what helped with the mindset to actually say, yes, I'm going to go for the not legit career path and really go for this? Moving to Canada, I think. Um, I don't know how the industry is in Mexico anymore. I mean, it's been, you know, 23 years, so a whole generation. Um, So I don't know how it works anymore. But back then, uh, it wasn't regulated at all. So it wasn't, there wasn't an agency, like representation system that would filter certain things and protect actors in in one way or another. Um, And it was all about who you knew. And again, because, um, well, I've never been rich. (laughs) And I've never had powerful people in my corner, uh, politically speaking or otherwise. I didn't have connections and I didn't have um, those ends. And so uh, we really, really didn't see how it could happen at a, at a, at a major level, at a, at a, you know, at a, at a top shelf level. Uh, and also it was when back then it was either you do soap operas on TV or you're discovered for film. And the best directors would not hire you if you had a resume on television because it's so uh, so niche and so specific and the vices are brutal, right? And so it's um, it's very hard. Actors become very hard to direct. And, uh, and, and again, without the ins and without the, the, the right friendships or, or godparenting, um, we didn't see how to make it happen. And I say we because I have to I have to say that uh, my mom's support was has been it is still today paramount, uh, and, uh, and 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 so we we didn't really see a path for for me to have the profession. Uh, so when I moved to Canada, it's it seemed like the the field was a little bit more leveled, uh, and um, so she was a diplomat. She was posted here in Toronto. And uh, she also wanted to take me away from Mexico City desperately um, for many reasons, including the boyfriend I was with at the, at the time. <laughs> and so she said, I'm posted there for two years. So come with me and I'll pay for whatever school you want for those two years. Whatever you want, you get it full time. And so I said, OK. And, uh, and, and I came over and that's when I found and then enrolled in the uh, Randolph Academy for the Performing Arts. So I, I trained Triple Threat. And uh, and my film teacher at the time uh, was also instrumental in getting my first agent, and that was 2004. So in 2004, I got my permanent residency, I got married, I got my first agent, and I got my first gig. It was a huge year. So next year, I have to throw a party, or several. <laughs> By the way, I'm divorced, and I'm not with the same agent anymore. But anyway, <laughs> it's been Okay. That, yeah. That's fantastic, I think. And so tell me about the the growth from theater training mm. until now. So what happened in that now almost 20 years? 
Louis Bavander happened. What's that? <laughs> that. Uh, it's so it's so funny because when I met him after graduating, I said, "Where have you been the last three years and thirty five thousand dollars?" And he said, "The right teacher shows up at the right time." And uh, and I have I have well I still remember it. So it was it really it really made an impact and. Um, I did follow his advice and I went and I, and I went to other studios because he always says you have to find the right voice that resonates with you and whatever makes sense, whatever might make sense to you. And so I did that and I kept coming back because his approach is the only thing that made sense. And so he chipped away all the layers of uh, useless stuff uh, that I was I was carrying with me uh, that were not that was not going to help professionally speaking. And um yeah, and I, I, he's still my, he still is my coach. Yeah, I've been his student for twenty years now. That's incredible. Yeah, and then yeah. so how did you get into? I do want to delve into more into your acting career, but how did you become a coach? How did that come around? Uh well, um, as I was taking Lewis's classes, I could only afford one class a week. And I just wanted to take as many as I could, but I couldn't afford them. And so I said, can I set up the chairs and just sit in the corner quiet and just come every time that I can? I reluctantly, he said, yes, maybe after he said no a couple of times. Uh, and then I said, OK, can, can I photocopy the sides? Can I? And so I became this little helper that would sit in, in the corner and just absorb as much as possible. And then um, with the think it was social media that made a huge huge difference in how um his demand exploded mm. and i started helping him with uh, emails and and scheduling and uh and a very little known fact about uh me at the studio is that uh i created lbactingstudio at gmail.com uh, and, uh, because it was, it was his personal email and it was just become, it was just getting out of control. Right. And so he said, and I remember he was very uncomfortable with it. It was like, it's me in a notebook with 200 post-its and it's not an acting studio. And I was like, but it is anyway. So that's, that, that was how it started. And I became the first manager of the first inception of the physical location of the studio. Yeah. And, um, I should have this timeline a lot clearer in my head, but I, I, I don't. I just know that I stopped. Uh, I think I was eight months pregnant. Uh, and then I started working from home and training my replacement. And then he said, uh, when do you think you'll be back? And I was like, oh, three months. Um, <laughs> not three months. He was like, yeah, no, you're not ready. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not ready. I was like, okay, give me three months. So at six months, he checked back in. I was like, yeah, no, I'm still not ready. He gave me a year. And after a year, he was like, Michelle, I have to make your placement official. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. And uh, and after that, he offered me my first class. Hmm. And that was, so my daughter is 10. So that would have been almost 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that's how I became co a coach. And I started with one class and then two and then three. And this next round is the first round that I will have four classes. Oh, my gosh. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my daughter is not very happy about it. <laughs> yeah. 
has yeah. so I obviously I want to touch on yeah the acting career that you've had mm-hmm. and and more about coaching and teaching and advice for newer actors and stuff like that. I'm going to try and not get emotional because you were my very first acting coach. Uh, but your career as an actor, mm-hmm. has there been anything in your time in the industry that has been really surprising to you? <laughs> in what area? <laughs> like, can you narrow it down? Because the answer is yes, but I ha- I don't even know how to... How about, ooh, a lot of, how about timing wise? Like newer, like now since COVID, has there been anything that's really changed and surprised you coming from Mexico into Canada? Anything really surprising? Uh, well, coming from Mexico to Canada, everything was a shock, right? I was never the pretty one in my friends within in my group of friends. I was always the emotional one. Oh, there she goes crying again. I was the one that uh, everybody would tell their darkest secrets to because they knew that they would they could trust me and I wouldn't judge them. Yeah. Uh, but I was never the pretty one. So coming to Canada and being perceived extremely different, it's extremely differently, uh, physically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually still working on that. Um, and I remember Lewis told me in one class, he said, the day that you embrace, accept and embrace how you are seen, your career will soar. And clearly, I haven't yet because there's still nobody knows who I am. <laughs> so, um, and I know it sounds very superficial, uh, but I think that um, it comes with um, it is partially cultural, but also, you know, all the all the garbage and baggage that we carry from um, the things that we are taught and the tapes that we have in our head playing. And how we grapple with those voices when we are uh, embracing the craft and then using ourselves as the vessel and vehicle to communicate um, stories and, and, and aspects of who we are through character. So that was very surprising on a personal journey level. Um, so that was one thing. Uh, then... <laughs> Um, before we get to COVID, because uh, I don't even know if anyone can talk about that anymore. It's like uh, today, Lewis said that he has stopped calling it the pandemic and now he calls it the lost years. <laughs> no, because that's when I found you. You're not allowed to think of it like that. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't. And actually, the aftermath of, of what we have gone through, what I have gone through in the last uh, three years has... um the the balance has been extremely positive. So no, I do not call it that at all. But but it is it is such a blur that is like, ah, oh, how do we even talk about that? Um something that really surprised me in terms of timeline. Um my first gig, um maybe it was the second, but it was my first big gig. I was written into a show and I was part of uh twenty one out of twenty two episodes of uh, of a series that unfortunately didn't get picked up for a second season. And uh, I was too green to actually fully benefit from it. Uh, Not only from a growth uh, standpoint, but also from a career point of view. Um, I honestly think that I should have, I should have switched agencies. Um, 
right after that show because there was uh, there was a lot of interest that, that was starting to uh, uh, become tangible and palpable, and I wasn't guided and promoted and pushed in the way that needed to happen in order for my career to get to uh, um, farther mm. along. Let's put it that way. Uh, and so, timing wise, that fairy tale situation didn't pan out in a way that you would fantasize about it. So that was a huge uh, learning experience. Um, something that happened during that show, and I tell this to everyone that will listen, but definitely to my students, is the way we sell ourselves is something that we need to learn as early as possible. Uh, because I missed a huge train, a huge, huge train. Um and I'm gonna name names because what what the heck? Um I was working with Tay Diggs. You know what Tay Diggs is? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh and uh and he he approached me one day on set and he said, um, so little Michelle, they called me little Michelle on set because Michael Michelle was part of the top cast. Uh and it's funny because they when they came up with that with that uh nickname, she's very tall. She's this gorgeous, beautiful woman. Uh, that is, I don't know how much taller than me, but quite a bit. And uh, and she actually looked at the person calling me Little Michelle and said, watch it. Because, of course, it wasn't going to be Little Michelle and Big Michelle. Uh, so he came to me and said, Little Michelle, so tell me, um, are you a singer? And I went all polite and apologetic about it. And I was like, well, I wouldn't call myself a singer. And of course, he stopped listening immediately. And he was starting uh, pre-production for Rent. Mm. So can I sing as well as Rosario Dawson? Hell yeah. Absolutely I can. And I could and I would have. Uh, but I, I, I miss that uh, even the possibility to be considered because I didn't, um, I didn't own it. I, didn't, I, I wasn't confident enough to say, why do you ask? Hmm. By the matter of fact, yes, and I am trained, but why? And if he would have said, well, show it to me, I would be like, well, either you're paying a ticket or you're telling me more. You know what I mean? Like the conversation would be so different now. <laughs> and then immediately it would have gone to my coach and gotten so ready for it and, and, and would have uh, done the best I could have done. But yeah, I cut my knees hmm. in the first sentence that came out of my mouth. So, yeah. Yeah. How do you learn n not to do that? And I, I, my first instinct is like, huh, we as female identifying people in this country apologize before we even, we don't even know what comes out of our mouth. We're saying sorry. Yeah. We, we apologize for breathing. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's so interesting because you say in this country, but I think that that is a global mm. thing. Mm. Uh, as female identifying uh, humans, and not only, but uh, we definitely have been taught to take less space. Yeah. And uh, and how do we take more space? And this is what has come as an aftermath and as a, as a, as a result over the last three years. So that's why I'm saying that the balance is very positive, because I do not apologize for who I am anymore. Uh, I still I still deal in, and have a lot of um, negotiation happening with shame and what is uh, deemed right or wrong uh, or, you know, all those things that are taught and, and learned. They're not 
they're not natural. They're not, uh, they don't come from our fibers. And I see it with my daughter, right? Uh, she will ask me, do I look cute in this? And I'll be like, yeah, so cute in that. And and uh, when my mom heard me do that, she was like, Inla, you, you should be careful because then you're going to feed her vanity. And I'm like, good. Yes, let her be uh, confident and know her beauty and know her place. And I grew up with, um, oh, your sister is so pretty. And my brother saying, yeah, we're the smart ones. Mm. So it was like, oh, I can be both. Okay, great. And always this tempering of, that's not what matters. That's not what Im- what's important. That's a- And of course, if we're talking about extremes, I mean, they're both horribly damaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can we not have boats? Can we not work and like embrace whatever we have externally and feed what we have internally and the other way around, embrace what we have internally and feed what we have externally? You know what I mean? Like it's just, so it's... um. We are taught to take less space. We are taught to not make noise, be nice, be seen, not heard, and seen not too much, not too often. And I think that, that it's, it's, uh, it's about damn time that we stop that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about the sooner we, a uh, global we, yeah. but also yeah. the actor we, discover who we are and who we can I hate to use this word, but like sell to the industry, the more that's when you'll see like the career growing and glowing. How do you figure that out? I think it's a lifelong job because who we are changes and we we don't like or appreciate ourselves the same one day to the next. So I think it's through honesty and authenticity. And, and it's okay to say, yeah, no, today I'm not feeling great. And that's all right. Uh, or today I feel fantastic. And that is all right. So I think, I think we need to give ourselves permission to just be authentic. Because that's a huge, I think that's a huge block. Uh, we also get drilled in our heads, fake it till you make it. <laughs> and right? And uh, and I think that at some point we lose sight of where that line is. And so if you're always faking certain kind of mask in order to appear more confident or to appear uh more informed or to appear more ready, um then we lose the line between, well, I'm faking it and, and until I make it and hopefully it will happen and I will make it. But then what are we doing to feel better, to be more informed, to be more prepared, to be more ready? It's a multi-layer thing. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the evolution of it, I think, is really important, especially for people coming into this industry Later on in life and after another career or another, like honestly, another life, right? The realization that it's ever evolving, like you said, it's you're not just going to be one thing. It will change day to day, month to month, year to year. And that's awesome. That's exciting and fun. And it should be that way. Um, So two things come to mind when you say that. Again, my daughter, she's a huge He's a compass to me, and she's been since she was in my belly, and I've always told her that. Um, 
such a reality check. She just told me and shared, and she's not going to see this until she's 16, but she oh, she told me uh, uh, last week, I think, she was like, oh my God, I, I love hanging out with this friend of mine, whom I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of because they're very full of energy and I get overwhelmed quite easily. My senses overload. Uh, and uh, and she was like, I love hanging out with them because I, I can express a different aspect of who I am. And I swear to God, she used those words. And I was like, tell me more about that. And she was like, well, you know, her parents don't get very overwhelmed, so we can be. And I was like, super energetic. And she went loud and obnoxious. And I'm like, I'm so happy that you have a friend that you can be that with an environment the way you can do that safely and that you're not suppressing it just because mommy gets overwhelmed. Mm. That is incredible, right? So we are multitude at any given time. And yet, how much of those aspects of who we are, we edit on a regular basis just to function, to please others, to fit in, to not get fired, to stay married. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so, there's so much editing. Um, and that goes back to taking less space and making less noise and just be a little bit, can you bring it down a little bit? Because you're a bit too much. Oh my God, how many times I've heard in my life, you're a bit too much. And I think that is, I think, an underlying vein, river, deluge of what, of why so many people feel pulled towards the career of acting or just a creative career in general because they were told they were too much. You're great at acting and performing as a kid. You're the little performer. You're a great artist. You're filled with energy. And then you hit, I think it's age 10, honestly, when they tell kids like, hey, calm down, sit. Mm -hmm. And we've just edited our whole lives. And then there's a turning point when you realize, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not. Where did I go? Where did my yes. essence? Where did I go? Yes, I don't even know what I like anymore because it's it's right. gone. And then there's that craving for ch childhood, and I think creativity and the arts and acting, especially, you get to use all these emotions. You get to have fun. Yeah, and that society says you must edit those. You're like, no, I get to be in this play, show, whatever audition, and not yeah. edit. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And be free. Be free. Again. Yes. Even if for, you know, 45 seconds to a minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 One of the things that you ask everyone at the beginning of your classes is why acting? And I remember my very first class with you. I was like, I would, uh, so your Wednesday classes during the pandemic uh, over Zoom, I'd still be in my office. I was like, uh, my app talking to my scrubs. Office, yeah, my scrubs, scrub. being like, yeah. I would act class. I still remember that first class and it was why acting. And that just was like, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. So I'm going to throw it back to you. Why acting, Michelle? Because there's nothing else that feeds me the way acting does. There's nothing else that allows me to be me fully as acting does mm. and I have so much to learn I don't learn as much doing anything else as I do acting and teaching acting yeah that's why acting that is 
I so powerful because yeah, how where else can you learn so much about yourself and others? <laughs> and I think the others part is huge, right? You can learn about yourself anywhere you can go to therapy. But like learning about, <laughs> about others and empathy. I honestly I haven't been able to find anywhere else that you can I haven't either. Yeah. I haven't either. Yeah. yeah. Others, um, relationships, your interaction with the world. Um, not just with other people, but with the environment, with animals, with my God, an object if we want to get super yeah. flaky. <laughs> yes. Yes. I haven't found anything else that that gives me that um, schooling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, your episode will have aired after Lewis's episode, but so take me through your. Oh, this is a loaded question. I was going to say like your essence as a teacher. Um, oh, but I think more for people who are searching, right? Like the right teacher will come along, like you just said. And don't get emotional, Janet. You were that for me, right? 100%. Your classes were so hard in the best way. Like, (laughs) I was so pushed. I was exhausted after everyone. Good. Right? And I just, I, exactly what you just said. I've never felt more proud of myself and that I had gone leaps and bounds learning-wise. And even in the classes where I'm like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to come. I would learn something from that feeling of being exhausted and not wanting yeah. to show up and being able yeah. to use that. And showing up anyway. And showing up anyway. Yeah. Can you take people who are searching for, like, especially newer actors, acting, looking for acting schools, acting teachers, who are you as a teacher? And, um, yeah, who are you as a teacher? I'm wrestling with them. With what we talked about, but not taking too much space and not getting loud. Um, which, by the way, I suck at selling myself. <laughs> I'm not good at it. <laughs> um, but I will tell you what I offer. And it's not for everybody. Not made out of gold. And I'm okay with that. I don't lie. <laughs> for better or for worse. That doesn't mean that I'm unkind, but I don't lie. Oh, my God. Can that be the essence? (laughs) I don't lie. I'm not going to bullshit about how much work it takes. I'm not going to lie to you about... I'm not going to give you a pat on the back to make you feel better. Um, uh, I'm not... I don't allow clapping in my class. Um, And the reason for that is because it's not performative. It shouldn't be. Which is counterintuitive in a way right but wait i am acting so it is about performing no it isn't it is about truth and speaking that truth and why would you clap i mean can you imagine you you're opening yourself you're opening your heart you're 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 shedding your skin telling somebody the truth that is so hard to do and they clap would you want to punch them in the face i hope so and i hope you do can you imagine? I just thought of that. I think I'm going to bring that up in class next time when somebody wants to clap. I don't lie. Mm-hmm. I don't lie. There's this new show on Netflix that is called Bullshit. I don't know if you've seen it. So it's a, it's a trivia, you know, you win a million dollars, whatever. 
And the whole point is not knowing the trivia, but being able to bullshit your way through so that people believe it. And there are three people that are evaluating whether or not you tell the truth. I would suck at it. I would be terrible at it because you would see right through the panic of not of me not knowing the answer, right? And trying to uh, 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 come up with something smart and quick enough to try and trick you. I No, 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 no. Um, yeah, I don't lie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what like, drew me so much to your classes and made me so enthusiastic about taking as many as I could and working with you. And I know like you're saying you're not for everyone. And I remember just being so refreshed by it. And it's funny because I know <laughs> there is like there is trauma that I have from medical training. And I, I remember you, right? And I people, bet. And it's funny because people are always like, oh, the industry is so hard. The, you know, entertainment industry getting rejected. Yeah, like, shut up. I was like, do you have any idea how many old white men have screamed at me for not knowing the proper blah, blah in the operating room? Like, oh, but my God. I think it's a learning style. And it, you're not like that. It's it's the. And I hate the term tough love, but it's it's criticism in the most constructive way that I have not gotten anywhere else. Because everywhere else, it's like, you're so good at this. Clap my hands, right? Aren't you cute? Keep doing it. But I'm like, okay, no, no, I'm obviously not because that's why I'm in your class. And I want feedback to push forward and be pushed. But you might be also cute and so good, but that's not what's going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's Mm -hmm. that's not that. What is that for? I mean, I hope your friends tell you that. (laughs) And sometimes your mom. Uh, I still remember asking my mom uh, once. I grew up with a very tough love. And uh, and and I, I once I told her, I said, I want you to tell me you're proud of me. And she was like, oh, but I am. And I was like, yeah, but you have never said it. Mm. And she was like, well, but obviously I am. And I was like, no, it's not obvious at all. What do you mean it's <laughs> obvious? I have never heard it. Tell me. Uh, we started the conversation laughing and then we were both bawling. But um, yeah, no, it's not about tough love. It's about useful information. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's uh, if you're yelling at somebody because they don't remember the blah, blah, blah in the in in the in the OR. Um, what are you teaching? You're shaming. Yeah. You're embarrassing. You're not teaching anything. Mm-hmm. Give them an association and then they won't forget it again. Um, or, or made them realize the importance of not forgetting that particular blah, blah. But just yelling at someone or clapping at someone is just not I, I don't find it useful. I have never found it useful in my own learning. Um, or in my teaching, but I have lost students. Mm-hmm. I have lost students, Janet. Yes, uh, there was one time, one person that went back to the office and said, I cannot take Michelle's classes because she's too negative. Mm. And so, and you know what? Uh, that's absolutely okay. Like, I, I didn't take it personally. I didn't take offense to it. Um, I checked in, not only with myself, but also with the office. And uh, and then, yeah, that's great. Um, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Do you notice any differences between people who've gone to, say, a traditional theater school and are now coming into your classes versus people who didn't and they're now in your classes? And I do not mean one's better than the other. I just mean, is there anything you've noticed and things, especially for my listeners who are coming from a different career now into acting classes, any notice any changes? Yes, massive differences. Actually, somebody that comes from a completely different life path 
can be, and I'm not saying that it always is, but can be easier to teach. Um, the reason for that is because there are no preconceived or too deep preconceived notions of what they should expect from an acting class, as opposed to somebody that comes from theater training, which I also came from theater training, and I know how much I had to unlearn, and I know how much I have to help others unlearn. Uh, also because it becomes a huge default. Uh, and it's interesting because we had a coach meeting this morning and we we touched on this. There, there, there is such, it's something that runs really deep. And, uh, and if it is repeated enough, it's a weed. Like it's a very hard route to extract, right? It really grabs on. So even if certain concepts make perfect sense theoretically on paper, intellectually speaking, as soon as the practicality and the application of it comes, they revert immediately to what they have always done. And uh, and for people that are approaching it for the first time, it's almost as though there's a there's a white canvas and there's an availability and an openness and um, it's a different kind of hunger. So that is the biggest difference. Uh, both can be fun. Both can be infuriating. Both can be um, challenging for sure. Uh, but I find that people that come from a completely different background can be easier to teach. There are two things, I was looking at my notes from your classes, two things that really, really impacted me as a person and as an actor that you have taught me. There are millions, but two big ones really <laughs> stuck out. The first one I think is really helpful for everyone who came from a different career path is that what you did in your life before did not evaporate and now you're an, a an actor. Like, it's not like it evaporated. It's still there and is still part of your life. And all the things that were part of your life there, those people that you witnessed are like a lab. Like you're in a lab getting to witness other human beings and those interactions. And that's a benefit to mm. you. Mm -hmm. And that was really powerful for me because there's this idea of I'm behind in my acting career because I wasted all this mm -hmm. time in medical training or whatever training. Mm -hmm. and you're like, no, no, mm -mm. Mm -mm. not at all. Can you speak to that? There is no part of who we are that is dismissible. And there is no part of what has brought us here that is useless. None whatsoever. And it's not a pep talk. I'm not that this is not a pep talk. It's 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 practical reality when you go into the preparation and execution of that scene, which ultimately is a human moment, and you realize, oh my God, this is a part of me that is showing up for this. Um and, uh, and you maybe hadn't, you know, gotten in touch with that for a while. We are complex humans. We are almost like individual universes onto ourselves. And there's no part of that layered complexity that won't be called upon at one point or another. It informs how we think. It, it informs how we uh, behave, how we respond to our surroundings, how we interact with others, how we get in our own way. It's like, it's just, it's, um, see, this also brings me to the focus that an actor requires 
is different from the focus that you require in other in other professions. And I think I, I talked about this as well. Um, I'm sure I talked about it with you specifically because a perfect example of that is a medical doctor, right? So if you're going into surgery, you want the medical doctor, the surgeon, to leave outside the door his cheating wife, ungrateful children, and unsurmountable debt. You don't want him to bring that shit into cutting your skin. But if an actor leaves the cheating wife, ungrateful children, and unsurmountable debt out the door, there's so much missing of who you are in that moment that will inform the detailing, the nuances, and ultimately the humanity of that moment. And that leads me to the, the second big thing perfectly is what you call poking the bear. <laughs> Some of my best work that you've gotten for me is when you look me in the eye and go, do you want me to poke the bear? And I go, <laughs> and tell, tell the class what poking the bear is. And I will say as a caveat, the reason the bear can be poked is because uh, like I, I feel like I can get to these vulnerable parts in my life because of the therapy I've been through and come to terms with that and stuff like that. And I can get myself out of poking the bear. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I'm going to have to start by uh, with a disclaimer. Poking the bear as a practice in acting coach, coaching, in directing, in, uh, in, uh, in acting in general has been abused. Mm-hmm. I bet. And has been, well, that's why the whole monitoring and, and uh, supervising of acting schools and stuff has uh, started and how, uh, and how what the reason why a lot of acting coaches are going out of circulation as they should, um, because they abuse that and it becomes a power trip. Um, so anything that we, um, we also ask very uncomfortable questions at the studio and in our approach to the work, but we will never let the actor answer out loud. Because whatever comes up, uh, with such question, with such poking, uh, is none of nobody else's business. So the reason why we do it is because, and then you learn how to do it yourself. In, with practice, you learn how to poke your own bear in terms of what thought you need to engage with in order to trigger a specific emotional state of being. And then, boom, that's where you are. Authentically, right? Because we can all fake it. Um, the reason why we do it is because in order to function in our day-to-day life, we edit our thoughts constantly, Right? Um, not only because of, okay, I'm not going to give in to this wave of rage that is overcoming in this moment. And so I won't get fired, but also, and a lot of the time, times happens, uh, in a cultural way. And by culture, I mean your family of origin has nothing to do with geo- uh, geography or, or languages or, or, uh, ethnicity. It comes from your family of origin. Certain emotions are not allowed, right? Uh, in a very, uh, rudimentary way. It's the principle of, uh, boys can be scared or, um, uh, girls can get angry. Uh, you know, don't be sad. You'll be okay. You're fine. You're okay. So all these things that we internalize and, and be, they become part of our fiber, then are very, it's very tricky to break through them in order to have a complete available 
system that will respond at, you know, the, the drop of a dime or your commanding wish, right? And so by having an external voice asking a certain question, you don't have the time to edit because the reply comes, right? And then the emotionality gets triggered and dot, 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 dot. So that is what poking the bears. But it should be um, before we start doing that in class, especially with acting for beginners, um, I talk about the the um, the care that needs to come with your own instrument, right? We approach acting in respect, acting the same way that an athlete would approach their sport, a dancer, their discipline, um, a musician, their instrument. You have to get to know your system. You have to get to know your brain. And there are things, so if you have an injury and you're a runner, you will adjust your training to not further such damage so that you can recover and then maintain longevity in your performing life as a runner. And actors, I don't think that they get taught enough about that in terms of there are certain things that should not be touched. Hmm. And you don't need to go to the darkest worst, deepest, awfulest thing that has ever happened to you to cry, you know, or to get angry or to get revolted. Just turn on the news. It's right there. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 um, there's no need to, this is also the, 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 the debunking the myth, the myth that if you haven't suffered enough, then you cannot be an artist. Suffering cannot be measured like that or shouldn't. Yeah. So that's what poking the bear is. And I love it. I love it. But what? <laughs> so, the sadomasochistic, the, the sadomasochistic nature of actors. I love it. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. I feel real emotions. I loved it. It hurt the whole time. <laughs> well, it's funny because, yeah, you leave and you're like, oh, my God, that felt so good. But I know if I hadn't had that, like you're saying, the foundational work, the training, you would leave and still feel that. You can't yes. se separate reality from like the scene you were doing. Your body yes. doesn't know. And that is so important to create a frame around that moment so that you know, not only intellectually, but physiologically, that there is a beginning and an end. Right? And that's also why I always have somebody when they're getting super emotional, have a sip of cold water. Uh, you know, get back in touch with your physical body. A lot of people say, oh, my hands are tingly. I can't feel my feet. So it's because all, your fight or flight is in full swing and all your blood is in the core of your body. And it's just like, okay, let's, let's go back to breathing, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. 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 Is there anything you are looking forward to coming up? this year oh my god do you have to you need to narrow it down again <laughs> <laughs> well my because i know you you're a producer now you had a film that came out once a visit yes yeah yeah that was that has been and it still is an incredible ride and we did all the pre-production on zoom huh that whole pre-production was on Zoom, eight months almost to the date from the first Zoom meeting with the writer-director and, uh, and the first day of uh, filming. That short film won uh, LA uh, Short Film Festival, which made us qualify uh, to be considered for an Oscar. I still... The words come out of my mouth and I still go like, what? 
That's not me we're talking about. We didn't get nominated, but it was a humongous just to be one of the 250 titles that were considered worldwide, right? <laughs> Out of the thousands and thousands of applications. It's still doing rounds of screenings. It's still being uh, incredibly well received. I can't wait to have a screening here at home uh, and invite you all to it. Um, yeah. Well, as a producer... I cannot wait to get on to our next project. Mm. Uh, we have a very exciting um, lineup of uh, of things that we're developing and that we're working on and stuff. And uh, and I and I could not be working with better people. Finally, found the right people uh, as a producer. That way, as an actor. This one is tricky because even though I have an immediate answer that wants to come out, I I need to walk the walk. And so I need to not give in to the impatience of, it's been this long since last time I was on set. And, uh, and, and, and so I have to take my own advice and I have to follow my own rules, the ones that I preach about. And so I am just not going to answer it out loud. So my, I look forward to continuing to wake up every day and feed the enthusiasm in whatever size may come that day, because it doesn't look the same every day. Sometimes it's just, you know, looking at it is enough. And some other times you just breathe it and embody it. So I look forward to continuing, staying, um, plugged in with it as an actor. Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice? <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know this, my favorite, I call them bumper stickers. This Lewis's sayings. Uh, and my favorite bumper sticker is think as a human, not as an actor. Actors get caught up too much in trying to find a formula behind trying to make everything fit in like a neat little puzzle, getting it right. And humans, we are messy. We are contradicting, sometimes not pretty beasts. So think as a human, not as an actor. I think that is where the difficulty of your classes for me comes in. And how exciting classes are because that is so hard because I think a lot of people want to be scientists and find the right formula and fit everything into a box. And when that doesn't exist or it doesn't produce the results, it's really frustrating. But mm -hmm. I think with what you teach at the school and the encouragement you have for your students and for me Instead of that being frustrating, it turns it into what has been a really exhilarating, rewarding, emotional three years for me. So, yeah, thank you for everything. Oh, thank you, honey. It's uh, honestly, uh, and I was having this conversation with someone who's just starting now. And, uh, and we were talking about that. I said the return is not equal to your investment <laughs> in this career, right? If you... If you're a real estate agent and you put in the hours and you sell the houses, you get the commission. 
it's a, it's a, I mean, you still need to work at it and it's hard work, but it's a fairly simple math yeah. that you have to, right? Simple sequence of steps that you have to follow. And acting is not like that. And um, yes, it's it, it can be very frustrating. It can also be very disorienting because we're not taught how to operate that way and to function that way and be well while we're doing it, right? And so it can be very disorienting. So I hope, and I'm so happy to hear that it's been exhilarating for me, for you, sorry, it has for me too, but for you, um, I hope it's freeing. Mm-hmm. Right? There are aspects of our lives that do need those steps, right? Uh, we do need to wash our dishes before we use them again, or we're going to end up getting food poisoning. Yes, absolutely. Eventually, once in a while, we need to vacuum. Um, these are the things that I am not very good at, by the way, and that's why I'm going to it, because I was like, oh, that's funny over <laughs> there. And, uh, and there are certain things that need to be done that way. If your car has a, a light on, you have to take it to the shop and so that you're not stranded. Like, there are things that need that structure in our lives and the work that is required to have a career in acting has a structure, but it's not in the tr- getting it right. Mm-hmm. That's not where it is. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Michelle, for being my guest this week. Thank you for being my 100th episode guest. Honestly, there truly could be nobody else but you to celebrate 100 episodes. You have literally changed my life. (laughs) Now, I'm not just interviewing Michelle to celebrate my 100th episode. No, no, everybody. We're going a little further. If you've been following along on my Instagram, you'll know what is going on next Friday. If not, head on over to at Second Act Actors on Instagram. I am doing a live episode recording. So exciting. From the Elma Combo in Toronto, I will be interviewing, drumroll please, Canadian comedian legends Deb McGrath and Colin Mockery. If you are of my vintage and older, you know Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? If you're younger than my vintage, you know Colin Mockery as the famous meme, Who's Awesome You Are. (laughs) I learned this very quickly when I was talking about who Colin Mockery was to a couple of uh, Gen Zers, and they didn't really know who he was. So they showed the picture and they said, ah, he's the guy from the meme. Anyways, I'm so excited. They have both been comedy idols of mine, and I'm thrilled to be interviewing them live from the Elma Combo in Toronto on December 15th. That's next Friday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. We will be doing an Instagram live. So head on over to my Instagram this is a celebration of 100 episodes of Second Act Actors, but also a fundraiser. We are fundraising for the Get Real Movement. This is a not profit, not for profit, excuse me, not for profit organization in Toronto. I believe actually they're Canada wide. That is very near and dear to my heart. They help promote LGBTQ2 plus uh, safe spaces, inclusive spaces in schools and in uh, healthcare spaces as well too. So all the information is over on my Instagram page at Second Act Actors. I hope you will join us. There won't be an episode drop next Friday because of the live episode. I will be recording that live episode with Colin and Deb, and I probably will be dropping the recording that you'll be able to get on, you know, Spotify and all your podcasts, wherever's. Uh, probably on the weekend once I recover from the excitement of interviewing 
to comedy legends idols of mine. I hope you will tune in next week on our Instagram live for a very special live recording of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!